everyone, and welcome back to Pod on You Loons. We have a little bonus episode today getting us ready for the season opener at Seattle. We have our good buddy Cameron from Gorilla FC over in Seattle. He is joining us to give us a little perspective from the Pacific Northwest. Thanks for having me. How you doing? Yeah, we're doing good. And man, you were just at a preseason game, like an actual preseason game you got to go to. Yeah, last night. You know, it was it's a soft opening of the stadium. It was only 200 people and there's going to be 7,000 for the opening game there on the 16th. Is that the day of our game? <laughs> Dates seem lost to me during COVID time. I don't know. Whatever Friday is. I know it's Friday. And... <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, you know, got to go as a trial run. It was mainly first responders. And then I got to go because of, um, you know, stuff I do with the Sounders and a couple hundred people in there to try out the new entrance, the way they search you on the way in, the way they scan your tickets, how food concessions were going to go, bathrooms, everything is as best they can touchless now. So it was really about trying out what it was like to be in a stadium and if the stuff worked and then bigger than that, we got to actually see the Sounders play a game against uh, the San Diego loyal. Okay. So Miguel Ibarra was there, huh? I don't think he's officially been signed yet. So he was probably sitting on the bench, but uh, yeah, he, he is apparently on their going to be on their team and their goalie Trey Muse is uh, on loan from the Sounders. And so, and he had a bunch of saves. Sounders only won one, nothing, but it easily could have been, eight or nine, nothing based on the number of shots. There was some great saves and a bunch of stuff off the posts. And, you know, it was interesting. It was interesting to see the team play for the first time because in some ways they're a drastically different team than uh, you guys faced when, I don't even remember how long ago that was. Was that in November? November, December, man. Like a lot of math, right? Like yeah. you're, you're, you're asking me about what date Friday is and you're asking me how long ago it was since the MLS or, or since the Loons and the Sounders last played. Western Coast, since basically since the Western Conference final, the, yeah. the Sounders have changed. I mean, the, the key pieces are still there, but they've changed quite a bit. Some some major, major changes. So it was interesting to see how they would fit together and how uh, Freddie Montero returning the Sounders. He was the original uh, star player and to see how he was going to be coming back to the team. Well, great. Well, hey, before we get a little bit further into it, I, I just got to ask, are, are you going to be in attendance at Friday's game? I hope to. Uh, the way that the Sounders are doing it is inaugural season ticket holders will get first dibs at the tickets, and they're only doing it for the first five games. And then after those five games, if you got tickets to any of those, you will be in the back of the line for the next five games, and other season ticket holders will be ahead of you. So I'm an inaugural season ticket holder. I've had tickets since day one. So my hope is that I will at least be at opening day and maybe a couple others. I'm fully vaccinated and if it's anything like my experience was last night, obviously there'd be more people, but we only had one side of the stadium open. So it would be the whole stadium open. So there would be, it, it, it was okay. You know, it felt like being outside. And, you know, if you run into people in your neighborhood or something like that, I saw a few friends and stopped and said hello for a second, but we were all wearing masks and it was emotional to be in there. I mean, it truly, the last event I was there, there was a Sounders match and a, a Seattle Dragons XFL game around the same time. And so it had been over a year since I'd been in the stadium. So being back in the stadium for the first time in over a year, a place that I've spent so much time in was, it, 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 I did feel a little emotional. It was cool. Well, I'm, I'm glad you got that experience. I know 
So I am not, and, and Justin is not going to be among the first people to return to Alliance. I know, I know we have several thousand that are returning and it was prioritized to season ticket holders, not to uh, suburban dads like myself that just like to pick up tickets when it seems convenient for us. But, you know, I'm, I'm cool with that. I hope to make it in. If I can make it in once or twice this season, I'll be really happy, especially since I have like a, I have a pretty significant credit on StubHub or SeatGeek or whatever we use. I, I have a pretty significant credit from the games that I had tickets for that were canceled last year. So yeah, yeah. I, I have that's just, what we're doing too, right? So yeah. all the season ticket money from last year as a season ticket holder for the Sounders rolled over to this year. And then any money I spend for these upcoming games gets taken out of my account. The interesting thing is I'm not limited to the number of tickets. So uh, we have three tickets, but I could get four if I had four in my pod. I don't only have three. It also means, sadly, my my um, season ticket mate, who isn't in my COVID pod, isn't going to get to go to the games. Because we pay for him up front, and then he pays back afterwards. And and so you can only sit with people that are in your like family pod. So you know, I offered trading off where I go to one and then with my family, and then he goes to one. But uh, he said, no, don't worry about it. So... I think there's going to be a lot of interesting stuff even within season ticket holders and how do you figure out who goes and in what capacity. And, you know, it was really interesting too. They, they went around and told people to put their masks on if they weren't eating, which made me feel really safe because I've been watching Seattle Mariners games on TV uh, when they're in Seattle. Um, they just had been actually in Minnesota all week long right now, but especially the people in the diamond club, those rich seats, they don't like to wear their masks. And so you see them on TV without their masks on all the time. And even though I'm vaccinated, there's still a part of me that is still that immunocompromised individual that just lived in my ha- my home for the last year without going outside. So I, I really appreciate that they're willing to go and lay down the law like that and make everyone safe. Yeah, that that is awesome. I hope I hope to hear similar stories from Allianz Field. But hey, let let's get into talking about the actual teams that we're going to see on the field. So throughout the off season. If you're around Minnesota United fans, many of us were becoming impatient regarding the lack of news on new signings. Now, in my research, this seems to be a league-wide feeling. So why don't you tell me a little bit, what was the off-season experience like for you Sounders fans? I think it was similar, and I think it's it tends to be that way for Sounders fans in general. Garth Lagerway is all about the summer transfer window because that's when you can get the best bargain for a player because that's when the people get out of contract in the rest of the world. So you can get people on free transfers or, you know, lesser transfers because they're leaving. And, uh, oh, and Garth is, uh, of course, the general manager of the Sounders for anyone that doesn't know that. So the last few years have felt more dire. And I think it's because you have these new teams coming in that are spending money. And so you get this FOMO, right? You get this fear of missing out where you see other teams getting better and you're not, you're, you're basically staying the same. And so you worry, uh uh-oh, like, how are we going to compete with these superstars coming in? And this happens, it's happened three years in a row, I guess, for the Sounders at least. But then I looked in the last four years, the Sounders have finished second in the West. So it doesn't matter (laughs) what happens. I think it's fourth, fifth, fourth, second, 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 second. Is the is all the recent finishes? So, are are you guys then to the point where you just trust the process, where you don't necessarily get frustrated at the lack of news, and you just know that they're going to work something out? Right. I think 
I think there's a frustration that we know the season usually starts out slow, but we trust the plan long-term. We trust that over the course of the season, the ship will be righted. And by the end of it, the Sounders are going to be on fire going into the playoffs with another chance to make it to the MLS cup. You know, we, we've never missed the playoffs in all of our years of existence. And so I don't, I don't feel like that's in question. Although I worry with all the subtractions for the Sounders from this last year, what might happen? Yeah. So the experiences that you have described of waiting for the summer window that has more or less been the the course of action for Minnesota United. Uh, a few years ago, it was Darwin Quintero coming in over the summer. Angelo Rodriguez was another summer signing. Didn't didn't work out the same way, but still summer signing. Emmanuel Reynoso, the big one last year, summer signing. And then this year, we're being told Adrian Hunu's coming in from France. He's going to be our big summer signing this year. They're even even talking about another Argentine coming in. We're hearing about these summer signings, and I think you said it best. It's just it's good business. Players are cheaper than the players from clubs that are on the traditional FIFA calendar. They're in the offseason now, and their teams don't have to worry about replacing them when when their own windows aren't even open. So right. clubs like I think people forget Seattle. While you have the success of some of these big spenders like LA Galaxy, Atlanta United, you're not throwing money around the same way those clubs do. And so it, it makes makes sense that you guys are trying to make those smarter business decisions that Minnesota United is trying to sell to its supporters that they're trying to make. No, that's exactly right. And to be honest, that's a recipe for success, I think. You know, I know it's frustrating, but here's the thing is, you have to be, when you aren't New York City FC or, I mean, maybe Orlando to a degree or Miami coming in, either of the LA teams uh, in Atlanta, you aren't going to be able to outspend those teams. They're always going to outspend everyone. So what you have to do is make sure you don't miss. And so when you bring in those DPs, you just can't miss. And, and you're more likely to take chances with that money when you can bring in a superstar who just might not be there for you. That summer window, though, it can make such a huge difference. Looking what happened to the Sounders when they brought in Nico Lodero, which turned the entire season around and led them to a championship, or Raul Ruiz Diaz coming in, and you know the difference in goals per game just in that second half of the season shot up. And also, they don't have to pay the salary of that player for the first half of the season, so it almost prorates that player to only a half season, and so it saves money on that season too, because just the cap, the cap didn't go up. It stayed this. I believe it stayed the same, and so it means rosters are going to be thinner now, at least for a couple of years under the new the new bargaining agreement. So you're not going to have ever have the depth that maybe the Sounders had in could be the greatest Sounders team ever was the 2015 team that uh, I believe it was, was 2014, the team that never didn't that uh, should have won the Sporter Shield and didn't, and then didn't make it to the championship. But when they had Oba and Dempsey up front and just they were un- unstoppable, yet uh, playoffs came and certain players aren't that great in the playoffs and it kind of faded. So, uh, but that, that is one of the greatest Seattle regular season teams we've had. It's all about spending wisely. You're not going to outspend them. So you need to make sure you spend the dollars in the right place and over time, figure out what you're going to do. I mean, the Sounders got put in a really bad place this year because we loaned uh, Jordan Morris out to Swansea and then he gets hurt. And so instead of him staying there in the summer, he would have either come back when the loan was over or he would have been purchased and stayed there all of a sudden, that what do the Sounders do when you have his money back on the books? 
So suddenly that counts against your cap hit again. So it's, it's crazy to think about how much money gets thrown around by some of these big teams. And yet if I'm putting money on teams to win the championship right now, I'm putting it on Minnesota United. I'm putting it on Seattle. I'm putting it on Portland, especially over any of the teams in the East. Columbus was not better than Seattle in the championship. They just got lucky. <laughs> the Sounders don't show up in the MLS Cup for whatever reason, despite the fact we've won two. We've showed up for one half over uh, four MLS Cups. So so before we get more into that, you brought up playoffs and we're, we're talking about summer acquisitions and how they could actually be smart moves. One of the reasons I like inviting you on so much is that you provide, right? Minnesota United is a new team. And yes, I know Seattle Sounders have been in the MLS. How, how long? 10 years? Well, yeah, since 2009. So Okay, since 2009. 13th year or something like that. And, and I know they were in existence prior to that, but their MLS history is, is not as long as, say, Columbus or New England. But, but still, you add perspective that us Minnesota United fans going into our fifth year, we may not necessarily have. And with the summer signings, right, we're, we're both EPL guys, and we, we know that when the championship is based off of points over the entire season, if you're not really stepping up your game until the summer, you may never catch up. You may never be able to truly fight for that title. But in the MLS, you can afford a little bit of a slow start, not a drastically slow start, but you can afford a little bit of a slower start and still really contend for the MLS Cup. Am, am I on to something here? No, I, I mean, LA Galaxy did it for years and years, slow starts, and then would get on fire. The year the Sounders, we won our first MLS Cup, we were second to last place in June and then had the best second half of any MLS team ever. And then that went on to into the championship. No one, I think no team has scored more points in the second half of the season than the Sounders did that season. It was a complete turnaround that included replacing the coach and getting some injured players back and, and signing a major signing and stuff like that. But absolutely, I mean, the nice thing about the summer transfer window is it, it lets you as a team look at what's working and what's not and figure out where your holes are and actually make a move. And you never know what kind of injuries are going to happen in that first part of the season. So a few years ago, everyone was really excited. It was probably three years ago. Everyone was really excited for the Sounders to make a signing. And they decided to wait till the summer window instead of doing it before the season started. And then in the first game, Jordan Morris blew out his knee. It was a, a, a CONCACAF Champions League game. And so the player that they're going to sign changes based on that injury. So if, if they had signed another player, they would have been looking for a different type of player. And suddenly everything has to change after that injury. So that's the other thing is it lets you reevaluate where you are in your season and then go, okay, here's the stuff we're going to do in order to be more successful the second half. And so it's almost like the first half, you just have to hang in there, not fall too far behind so that once you get your reinforcements in the second half, you can really fly. Maybe my hunch wasn't totally off then. If you're, if you, if you're saying that that, uh, that that falls in line with your experience of the past 12 years, I, it works for the Sounders, right? We, we've never missed the playoffs, so. It must be onto something. Now, you, you alluded to this already about if you're putting your money on who's really going to contend for the MLS Cup this year. I wanted to bring up that Minnesota United is starting to be hyped nationally. So not just on our subreddit, not just in our Twitter sphere, 
but we're being hyped nationally the way that your sounders are hyped almost every year. Mm-hmm. And we, we even have David Gass of Extra Time. He recently stated of Minnesota United, quote, this is a legitimate supporter shield and MLS contender right now. I think they're in the top five in this league and they have to be tier one. So I, I got to throw it at you. Like, how do you feel about this national hype that Minnesota United is receiving? Do you hear your fellow Sounders fans talking about the loons the way that they would discuss traditional powers around the league? I think so. I think the we have a special affinity for the, for the loons. We'll say first off because of Ozzy Alonso. So I know a lot of people that root for you all, except for if you're playing us, of course. But yeah, uh, that that was something I I learned. You you've been on the show now three times. That was something I learned that I did not previously understand was the affinity Seattle fans may have to the loons just because of Ozzy. I think Ozzy and also, you know, anyone who, especially for someone like me who grew up in Seattle, I think the Twin Cities and Seattle are very, very close in um, just kind of atmosphere, culture, stuff like that. You know, people that love reading and all sorts of different demographics that are interesting. And, and so Northern cities that, that maybe get forgotten by some of the rest of the country because <laughs> they're so far north. <laughs> and uh, it's been a, it's been fun watching Ozzy play there. And so I, I don't think, I mean, that doesn't mean a true right. If I could see why Minnesota fans might not like Seattle based on that Western Conference final last year. And, and if, uh, if, that, if that kept happening though, yeah, I, you know, like there, Houston used to always beat Seattle in the playoffs. So for the while there, I really hated Houston. And so I, I, you know, and and LA too, of course, LA galaxy, but I think that they're the team that's being built. There is a mix of veterans and young players in a way that's working. And so you can't ignore Minnesota United right now. It has, they have to be considered among the first tier of teams. I would say in the league, not just in the West, but definitely top five in the West. And I, I never know what to say about the, the national rankings and stuff like that. I mean, I look, I always feel like they're a little East heavy other than LAFC. Everyone always loves LAFC, but you know, the, the, I was looking at the Vegas betting odds and LAFC's first and, and Sounders are second for MLS cup this coming year. I don't know if I agree with those odds. Sure. But, uh, I, um, I don't know if this, I, I mean, I definitely don't cause I, I think LAFC is going to have the same problems they have all the time, which is where they overperform during the season and underperform in the playoffs. And I think Seattle's going to take a step back this year. Um, you know, I have faith in our team to, to compete, but I don't think it's going to be uh, the same as it has been in the past. Yeah. And what, what people really forget about the MLS is just how much parity there is in this league. I really compare it more to the NFL than any other American league and definitely more than any other soccer league internationally is that there are a lot of teams that realistically have a shot at winning the MLS cup this year, especially when you throw in the playoff. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing is, is as much parity as there is, and that, and when you look at the playoffs, there is. I think it's something like only five or six teams have made it to the MLS Cup final more than once in the last decade, and so there's a lot of parity. But it seems like, well, it doesn't help that it's Seattle and Toronto every <laughs> all the time in the final. Um, but you know, Portland's made it a few times, and so that's kind of how we look at it in Seattle. Like I've been telling my friends at, in the Timbers Army, like this is your year to win it. It goes Seattle, it goes Portland win, Seattle win, Seattle you lose, Portland lose, Seattle win, Seattle lose. So okay. we're just going to start that over again. And, and 
if I may, can we just put Minnesota in there instead of Portland? So we'll let you win it this year and then we can win it next year. Maybe it's whatever city Nate lives in. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's whose turn it is. So now, now that he's in yep. <laughs> fellow uh, guest of the podcast, Nate is in um, over there. Yeah. That works for me. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Now the Sounders team, we will see on Friday. You just said you think that the Sounders have taken a step back this year. You said they'll still be competitive. You still believe in them, but you suggested that they probably took a step back. They they ended our season last year. How are they going to be different this year? Who are the key departures? You got any key newcomers? How are you guys going to look this year? Yeah, I mean, last year was a very interesting year from a Seattle perspective where there were times where they were one of the best teams I've ever seen. And then there were other times where they were terrible. And I feel like they didn't show up for most of that Minnesota game. And then it was all those goals at the end. It's like they turned it on for the last 15 minutes. And that team that scored all those goals, that's the team that was when they, I mean, they beat San Jose eight to one at some point, I think it was in the season. So I think we all did at one point. <laughs> yeah. But it it's it, it was always a tale of two teams last year. And I, I'm not sure, you know, COVID and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure it was hard. I'm sure it was very hard. And so this year, they the Sounders lost some really key players. You know, Gustav Svensson, who who very quietly became a club legend and really became the replacement for Ozzy that we didn't know that we were getting, uh, is now has moved on from the club. Uh, we lost our right back, Kelvin Leardham, who, uh, you know, he we just didn't have the money to pay him because of the cap rules. And and uh, he moved over to Miami with Chris Henderson, our old uh, technical directors down there as the GM. And so that that's a huge loss. And then, uh, of course, Jordan Morris is gone. And so those are three huge pieces that, you know, it's it's kind of like the the, the backbone of the team, the the weapon on the, the left. And then Leardham scored a ton of goals. I mean, he scored in the MLS Cup final when we won in 2019. So he was able to push forward because the Sounders always played a 4-4-2. Uh, usually the, the midfield was a diamond, but uh, it, or sorry, sorry, a 4 <laughs> they always played a 4-2-2-1-1. Two, two, one, one. I always wanted them to play 4-4-2. Uh, they never played with two forwards. But that's the thing. This year, they're, they're playing a 3-5-2. So they're actually playing with two forwards. And so Raul Ruiz is still there. He's up top. And it's probably going to be Will Bruin with him. But they brought in Freddie Montero from, uh, I guess he was in Vancouver most recently. But he, he was a, an original sounder in 2009 and was with the team for a long time. And he actually started the match yesterday with Will Bruin, and then Raul came in later because Rui Diaz has been in Peru the whole time. He just he he had uh, green card issues, and so he just got in the country last week. So he still hasn't had a preseason, but you could see how he changed the game the moment he stepped on the field last night. Uh, so they still have them. Nico Ladero is still on the team. He will not likely be playing opening day, I don't think, because the, he's out three to four weeks with uh, an injury. Is the the latest report so? You're, you're missing those three players for that match, and you're missing Nico Lodero. So the, it, those are some big things. But they brought in Freddie Montero. Uh, they brought in Kellen Rowe, who's a, a local product, who uh, you know we'll see how he can produce and, and what he does. But obviously not a replacement for Jordan Morris. But they've done a lot of other weird things, too, because they've had to. Like a 3-5-2, uh, they put Nuhu, which w- who was always a left back, is now playing center back. And then you have... Uh, one of our left backs on the wings now is a winger or a wing back. 
in Smith. So it, it's really fascinating that they're completely changing it up almost out of necessity because of injuries, because of the signings and because of the young players who are ready to step up. They have to make room for that. So there's going to be room for a bunch of young players to grow into being a part of the squad. So first of all, kudos to you that you have Schmetzer reading your fan mail and he is responding to it by putting two strikers up front. Kudos, man. That's how you know you made it. Yeah. I I mean, I I did say to the GM once, hey, Garth, uh, I just signed Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo on a free transfer in FIFA. Why haven't you done that yet? And all he did was laugh. (laughs) Hey, man. At least you got to make that comment to the GM of your team. Like, yeah, I feel lucky. I'm, I mean, I'm on a first name basis with him because of my role with the Alliance Council. He comes and talks to us several times a year. So, you know, I feel really lucky that the Sounders have a GM like Garth Lagerway. He's a, a great guy and truly is building something, which I think it seems like you guys are emulating a lot too, which is it's not about superstars. It's about creating a system where if somebody gets hurt, someone else can come up through the system to play that position. But if you have a superstar in that to begin with, great. But if they get injured, the drop-off isn't as far because you have someone underneath a young player ready to play. Yeah. Yeah. And I I feel like a lot of a lot of Minnesota United fandom would maybe be frustrated in how we are handling our younger players. I I don't know. I I think sometimes our our fan base isn't exactly fair uh, to to uh, to our club leadership and to our to our management. I actually I I'm a pretty big fan of our of our ownership. I'm a pretty big fan of Adrian Heath. I'm a pretty big fan of how we do things. And it seems to me, from from my perspective, it seems like we're going in a really nice direction, as you kind of described as an outsider. But I know I'll, I'll just throw it out there: a lot of people would disagree with you on that. Yeah. I mean, people want to win now and they always want to win now. And you're on the cusp, right? This is the year where Minnesota can be a contender for real. Last year you were a contender, but I don't think it was expected, at least not in the way that it happened. If Minnesota keeps up the path they're going, of course, they're going to be up there every year with Seattle, Portland, LAFC, and well, uh, maybe Dallas, depending on if they actually keep some of their young players or if they keep going to Europe. We got the game Friday night. So first, I'm going to ask you before I ask you to predict the outcome of this game. What are you most looking forward to seeing, right? We, we haven't seen our teams play since late November, early December, whenever the hell that was. What are you most looking forward to seeing? I mean, this is going to be a cheesy answer, but I think it's just people in the stands enjoying the team is my first and foremost thing, you know, and it's, it's, it's not everyone, obviously. It's only 7,000 because of the way the stadium's set up. You know, we have a large stadium, but uh, they're, they're being extra cautious. And so that, that's the first thing I would say. But then it really comes out of watching that game last night. The preseason game is the ball movement. How different three, five, two is to what we did before. You still have players bombing down the wings, but instead of going through the wings and then crossing it in, you actually have the ball coming more up through the midfield in the center and then being passed out to the wing around the box. So they, they might still cross it, but it's the, the game is just being played differently. The ball movement was different. So I'm really interested to see, how it matches up against an MLS caliber team. Because last night they were playing a minor league team. And uh, I mean, despite the fact that they dominated, they only got one goal, which is a very familiar story for the Sounders. There's lots of games I feel like I've sat through where the Sounders have dominated and yet either lost or or tied or only won by one when it easily could have been a huge win. So I'm really excited to see that. And then 
to have Ozzy coming back into town is still, I mean, like I said, it's just special anytime he can come back and he's a fan favorite and he, he will always be a legend of Seattle. And I'm glad he's becoming that for Minnesota as well. Now, again, this may be some perspective from a, a fan of a team that's been in the MLS for longer than a decade, definitely longer than five years. Will Ozzy get some playing time on Friday night? Do you think I, I wasn't planning on asking you this, but as, as you know, we have Jan Grigish, uh, who mm-hmm. typically is in that eight role. We have Will Trapp, who was just signed. By all accounts, it seems to be he is slotted in for the starting six role. But will Minnesota United maybe ceremoniously give Ozzy the nod on Friday night? You know, I don't know if he would start, but I feel like he would he would be a late sub, at least. I mean, he's still going. It'll depend on his health. I don't know where he's at health-wise. And Ozzy's health is always up and down. He's but, been he's been in the preseason. He's been okay. playing in the preseason, so I think he, he's good to go. He just is such a the heart and soul of a team he's on. You know, his fire really brings a lot to a team, and so I could see them, depending on the situation, bringing him on late. You know, having having a player like him, especially players as they get older that still have skills that you can sub on late when everyone else is tired, can make such a difference. I mean, I've seen in the past when you know. There was when when Dempsey came back from his heart um, problems that he had, he was a super sub for a few matches. And just watching all of a sudden you're putting a a quality player in late in a match when everyone's tired and they're leaving that little bit of extra space. I mean, Ozzy's totally going to take advantage of that and be able to slide tackle the ball away and, you know, push it upfield suddenly and then on a counterattack. So I could really see uh, a late sub. And even if not, I mean, just just him being in the stadium will be enough for our fans. You know, I, I think we worry always coming into the season about how our team's going to look. So we haven't even thought about Minnesota that much. Uh, we know how good you are because we've seen the last season. So it seems like, I mean, I guess I'm not the biggest fan of Will Trapp, so I don't know how about how I feel about that signing. But I feel like it really, with the talent you have, there's no reason why Minnesota isn't one of the top teams in the West. So that that worries me too. I like to win the home opener. <laughs> So what what do you think is going to happen? Make make your prediction. You know, I what's think the outcome. I think it's going to be a one one tie. Okay. I think Minnesota is going to score first. Seattle is going to score later, you know, seventieth minute or later, and then um, it'll finish one one. That that's that's going to be my guess. You know, I, th- I think the Sounders are not going to be as effective as usual without uh, without the crowd one, but then also without Nico Lodero. But I think also the way that they're playing the three-five-two, where they're kind of shifting, so it's almost like they still have four defenders. So those three center backs shift right or left depending on what side of the field the ball's on. If they have that down, I think it's going to be hard to get through that defense on a regular basis. Um, you know, not a lot of through balls are going to get through them, and um, it's really going to retire re- require something special. So, and plus, early in the season, I don't think teams are going to you know, go blazing and go all in unless they're, you know, there's a few teams that are Atlanta. Atlanta is going to go try and score as many goals as possible to begin with. But those teams first game against an actual team, they're going to start, they're going to have to feel each other out. And so it's going to be a lot of passing and just trying to figure out what's going on with the other team, especially with the new additions on each team and, you know, the new playing styles. So I also am predicting a draw. I am predicting, though, a a 2-2 draw. I think it'll be a little bit more of a roller coaster. You know, I I like how you had Minnesota taking the lead and Seattle playing comeback and 
maybe repeating a little bit of the heroics that they had uh, last year in the Western Conference Final. I just, I think a little bit more of a roller coaster. Minnesota United, there's a possibility we'll be without our starting center back, Baki Debasi. Brent Coleman likely to fill in in that role. He's a very competent backup. He's been with the team since we entered the MLS, actually since before the MLS. He knows what he's doing. I, I just, I think with the emphasis on the offense that Minnesota United is placing this year, or seems to be placing, and, you know, just figuring itself out on defense, combined with every, everything you've already given us about Seattle, I, I, I picture a little bit more of a roller coaster for that reason. Yeah, I mean, I, I I wouldn't put it past the teams, right? It's people play is going to be a little sloppy, you know. No, no one's going to be in midseason form. So, if you if they truly can get, there's three. Seattle only has three back in the back, and the other two are like moved up, and you can do a quick counterattack. It'll be a lot easier to get through that than it would have been in the past. Seattle's not a team that parks the bus, so, uh, but they have the ability to drop those two people back now and park the bus in a way because you could have five people in the defense in that situation. So it'll be interesting to see, but I like it. I'm, I'd be happy with the 2-2 tie. I mean, I always want to win at home, but how good I, with how good Minnesota looks to be from last year and, and the, the additions and stuff like that, I, I'm not as confident. I feel like Minnesota's taken a step forward and we've taken a step back. And so last year I was confident that if the Sounders showed up, they should win every game. And I don't know if I feel that way right now. All right. Well, yeah, man. So before we kind of wrap things up, I'm very interested to hear you've, you've mentioned some teams that you're looking forward to seeing this season, but do you have a top four prediction for how the Western conference sorts itself out by the end of this regular season? Yeah, I think LAFC won. I think they, they just have so much talent. Uh, They still haven't figured out how to do it in the playoffs yet, but I think you, you can't ignore LAFC. Uh, well, so I, think- I, re- I remember late last fall around decision day, you, Nate, and I were kind of talking. I, I think Justin was there too. Yeah. And we were all, well, at least one of you mentioned we can't be sleeping on LAFC. I, I can't remember which one of you it was, but I had been sleeping on LAFC. And, and granted, they didn't really do much in the playoffs. I forget if they even had a win, but they're kind of a sleeping giant in all of this that we're maybe forgetting about a little bit because they didn't do much last year. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they'll go anywhere in the playoffs. They've yet to really do much in the playoffs, but I I think just as a regular season team, they've got the talent. I would put them at the top of the West. You know, I think Seattle is going to take a step back, but just to base on precedent, I'm going to assume they're going to get a big signing over the summer and I'm going to put them at two. I think Minnesota is going to step up and get that third spot. You know, it's gonna it's gonna be a big a big move. What was it sixth, fifth last year? What was it? We we've been we've been fourth for two consecutive years. Fourth. Okay, so fourth, third so is a step up. Step up, and 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 could be second depending on the signing that Seattle gets. Yeah. So a lot will depend on the summer window, and then I mean, where it comes after that, I feel like there's several other elite teams that could that could fall into that that next category. Portland has to be in there for sure. I mean. Some people are predicting them with a chance to win the CCL this year, which is which is mind blowing. So, Portland, I would say fourth, and then um, you know number five, rounding it out would probably be. I'm sure I'm forgetting someone, but I mean it could be anyone from Kansas City to Dallas to uh, what what team am I forgetting? The, there's I a mean, whole bunch. Of Colorado could yeah. finally step up, but I doubt it. Like 
I was going to say everyone's selling us on Colorado being a dark horse, but they've been doing that for like since Minnesota United came into the MLS. So I'm, I'm still waiting for that. I'll believe it when I see it. You know, LA galaxy, uh, new coach. Uh, I don't know if you can ignore them. They just, uh, you know, I'm kind of writing them off cause they're LA galaxy. And now they're the Chivas USA of, uh, of the MLS. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, th- I think, I think Dallas is the one that will be interesting. And, and it's because they have placed so many young players in Europe. And they have such a good youth movement that if they can get some of those players to hit in the MLS, they're going to be hard to beat. Now, if the Sounders played them in the playoffs, I wouldn't worry about it because we beat them always in the playoffs. But uh, I think they could go for a run. So I think that would be my team for sure. Yeah. So the the only comment I have, so I appreciate your, your insight there. I appreciate your perspective there. The only little comment I have is, so you have Seattle second because based on a what you're anticipating to be a good summer for them in, in terms of signings. And I, I just wanted to bring up that Minnesota fans, as I alluded to earlier, are also a, we're also kind of predicting a active summer for us uh, when it comes to incoming transfers. Adrian Hunu, uh, a French striker from from Rennes and Liga Un, highly anticipated that he's coming in heavily. I don't even know if hinted is the word because Adrian Heath has flat out told, told us that Adrian Hanu is is the target and they plan on bringing him in. And I guess, I guess we're coming off of last year when they said the same, they had the same tone about Emmanuel Reynoso and then it happened. So we're all thinking that Adrian Hanu is coming in. And then now we're hearing about uh, left winger Franco Fregapene coming in from Argentina. So we're, we're anticipating two relatively big players coming in, in the summer too. And I, I'm not bringing this up to try to one up you or to try to be like, oh, well, how about this? I am bringing this up because it seems like as we're getting excited as Minnesota United fans and our team's improvements, the entire rest of the league seems to also be improving. So I, I don't know, man. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that the whole league is improving. And so it, 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 that's where I think that fear of missing out comes from right now when I see other teams improving and the Sounders aren't. And that's how you know the Minnesota fans are feeling right now too. And the other hard part is we, we don't have solid rumors like that to look at. I think the only rumor I've seen recently is that there was a, a player named uh, Kai Proger, who's a, a winger from Germany, who may, who's been rumored from a German newspaper to be uh, coming to the MLS to either the Sounders, Salt Lake, or Vancouver. Uh, other than that, you know, we have no idea, especially with our sporting director, who was our head scout, moving and becoming the GM of uh, Miami. Craig Weibel just got announced as the new sporting director on April 1st. So we don't know what kind of players he likes, whether, you know, he's on the same page that Garth Lagerwey was. You know, we really look to... South America for a lot of our players rather than Europe. And so I would imagine that would continue, but I don't know what kind of relationships Craig Weibel has with teams in other areas. So I'm sure he's already out there scouting, looking for who it's going to be. And the Sounders have already made inroads with some players, I'm sure, but we don't know that yet. So uh, at least you have the ability to go, oh, this would be really cool if this happened. Now, the one thing I will warn you 
is about getting too excited about players like that because you can get really attached to a player and then you assign them to your team in FIFA and you start playing with it and you're super excited and then they don't materialize. You know, I think uh, Fernando Torres was linked to the Sounders a bunch of times. Drogba was linked to the Sounders. Uh, and, um, you know, Robbie Keane supposedly was coming to the Sounders and then LA Galaxy swooped in and stole him away uh, first. So uh, yeah, that, that would have been interesting because in, Oba Femi Martins was who we got instead. And I mean, I guess I was happy with Oba and everyone here hates um, Keane, but it would have been really interesting what would have happened if he had come here. So at least you have the benefit of knowing some people that may be coming in the club kind of hinting at it. We have no idea what's coming. Yeah. No, our, our manager is like the most transparent dude. I have, <laughs> I've never met the guy, but he just, he gets a microphone and he just says things. And so far he hasn't steered us in the wrong direction in terms of what he plans on doing. Everything he has said has come to fruition. So, you know, the one hope that we always hold out in Seattle is Luis Suarez. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason is, is because he's like best friends with Nico Ladero. Okay. You guys get linked to like Torres and Drogba and Keane and Suarez. Like we're, we're getting linked to like teams in Liga Un. We have to look up on Wikipedia to try to figure out who they are. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't, those I don't are quality players. Yeah. I don't think we would go for most of those players because, uh, you know, the, the, I, the, the thinking is if you look at how players perform over the age of 30, they have to be really special if they're going to continue to perform at a top rate. And so I, I think the Sounders are more likely to go for a guy with a maybe not as high of a like ceiling, but has more room to develop into a, a star player. You know, a Rui Diaz type who maybe wasn't on the radar for a lot of teams, but has absolutely been dominant in the MLS. And, and Suarez would just be cool because uh, he was the one when we signed Nico Lodero, he was translating all the English for him because Nico wasn't very proficient in English at the time. So he was actually involved in the negotiations like with Nico as the translator when they were on, because they're roommates on the road. So uh, it was, it, it was really, it'd be really cool. And that's the rumor that's always there, but I don't, you know, he's not out of contract for another two years, I think. So, and then every time he's linked to the MLS, it's always the Miamis or, you know, the, the teams like that, where you're going to a, a major city, Miami, New York, LA. Well, there you have it. Loons fans, even, even the juggernaut of the Seattle Sounders is complaining that Miami is getting all the attention and YCFC is getting all the attention. So, yeah, well, and we're Miami more- has our GM. So we, we know the, the work that or sorry, our technical director is their GM now. So we know the, we know his skill, we know what he's looking for. And so it's scary what he's going to be able to do with money. Jeez. Help us all. Okay, man. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, this is the third. No, I think this is number four because you even came on and talked Chelsea with me one yeah. time. So yeah, number four. Fourth time on the program. And you, you even uh, you even helped my friend out with his American football podcast. It was great listening to you on that. Why don't you tell us about the work that you actually are behind? What What stuff are you putting out on your own? Yeah, I mean, uh, most notably, season one of Unincarcerated, the podcast, is out. And uh, that is all interviews that I did with the team that runs Unincarcerated Productions. Season two is we're going to start telling stories. And Unincarcerated is all about uh, changing the stigma around people who have been previously incarcerated. So uh, it, it's it's once people who have been incarcerated get out into the real world again, uh, most people don't 
there's no recidivism. It's like 90% don't. They are in the real world and they face real life stigma and people don't understand it. And once they hear their stories and you can humanize those individuals, it changes everything. So through podcasts and movies and TV shows and stuff like that, we're really trying to change that narrative. So we have a lot of stuff in the works, but right now we do have unincarcerated the podcast, which you can get now wherever you find podcasts. And within the next couple weeks, we're launching uh, Justice Delayed, which is a podcast that I'm producing and we're on parts of it. That's uh, Billy and Jody Sinclair. And uh, Billy is a former death row inmate. Uh, and Jody was a reporter and he, Billy became a, uh, a nationally recognized prison reporter who won tons of awards inside. And they, they had a 25 year fight. They fell in love, got married and had a 25 year fight to get him out of prison. And they did. So, uh, there we're starting a podcast with them around those issues. So that's going to be super exciting. And, you know, the first issues that we're talking about are death penalty and COVID in prisons and, uh, things like that. So, uh, definitely, if uh, criminal justice and stuff like that is what you're into, check out Unincarcerated, the podcast, and also Justice Delayed. And of course, if you like politics, I always have mine, uh, Punk Rock Pariah with Grendel and Greg. It's at the intersection of politics, pop culture, and uh, music. Yeah, and I'll, I'll make sure that your Twitter handle is in the show notes so that people can, cool. easily, people can easily find you. They can find your stuff. They can reach out. Um, yeah, Cameron, you're just a cool dude. You're Thank you. you're a good guy to know. Um, <laughs> I always love being on here with you, so I'm happy to come anytime and uh, and also talking Chelsea with you when we're not on here. Hell yeah! Well, and dude, you coming on here so much? If you ever find yourself in Minnesota, I'd love to love to take you to a game, take you out to the bar. You can even stay with us if you want. Um, awesome. <laughs> not to be weird, but no. Cool. I'm, I'm down. Let's get past COVID <laughs> and then I plan on going lots of places. So that'll be on my list. All right, man. Well, cool. Hey, guys, uh, in, until next time, pot on you loons. Cameron, you can sign off in any way you want. See you, everybody. Peace. Peace.